So um, uh, we're in a conversation, we're continuing a conversation we've been in called uh, Signs of Life. It is, it is a, um, an exploration of what our district superintendent on the Methodist side, Carla Rappinett, uh, identified as six, six keys to congregational vitality. And so we're going to be looking at that again. We've been looking at it for the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, but before we do, I want to ask you if you've seen something. Uh, just by a show of, show of hands, have you ever seen this license plate or a bumper sticker with the same uh, reading on it? I don't know if you can read that. The next slide shows you what it says. It says, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Have you ever seen that or heard that somewhere? Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Okay, uh, about half of it, it sounds like, have heard that somewhere. And it's true. It's a theologically accurate statement. Uh, Christians are are, are forgiven, uh, that that. Uh, people who have put their trust in Christ are forgiven for their every sin, uh, small ones and big ones, ones in the past, ones that they won't commit for another 10 years. They're all forgiven. Christians are forgiven. And if they're perfect, I haven't met one. So I know I'm not, and I'm sorry, none of you are either. So um, Christians are not perfect, but we are forgiven. But while that's true, there's more to the story than that. Let me show you a different a different bumper sticker. This is I don't again I don't know if you can read it. It's it's a quote from Gandhi. It says, "I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. They are so unlike your Christ." See, that's the problem when Christians aren't perfect but are forgiven is that is that we give people a perspective where where they say, "Well, here's here's Jesus. He's great." It's his followers I don't like. Um, it's 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 all the Christians I know who are in fact not perfect. They may be forgiven, but trust me, they're not perfect. That's the problem: is that our Christian witness is largely not the thing in our head we believe about Jesus, but how we live our lives. So this is the this is the problem that we're going to talk about today. So, I mean. Uh, what we're talking about today is signs of life, and we've already we've already done two of these. So let me just kind of go through them. If you've got the uh, the bulletin inserts, and I know there's a bunch of them, but the yellow insert um, has got um, uh, them listed here. So Carlo identified these six signs of life: engage, welcome, disciple, risk, connect, and call. And we've already talked about engaging. And by engaging, what he means is is going out of the church building and engaging people out in the world. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, you remember, if you weren't, you can catch up online, but you remember Vladimir Putin wants church people to spend all their time in churches. In fact, he's forbidden them from doing anything uh, related to their faith outside of church buildings, in their apartments, in storefronts, any place else in Russia due to a new law is forbidden. Vladimir Putin doesn't want the church doing what Jesus does want the church doing, which is to go outside of the walls of the church and engage people out in the world. So, so uh, we talked about engaging, and uh, we talked about the way that Jesus recommends we do that. If you could back up, um, the way Jesus tells us to do that is to spend some time building relationships with people, uh, to bring healing into a situation. Sometimes by prayer for supernatural healing. Sometimes just because there's something we can do to help, and then. When they say, why are you doing this to, to talk about God as kind of the third part in this process to say, look, I, I believe there's a God who loves you. The God I serve loves you. And I want to get to know all the people that God loves. So that's engaging. And then what, what Carlo talked about second or what Carlo wants me to talk about second is is welcoming. And we did this a couple of weeks ago. We talked about welcoming. And by welcome, what Carlo means is to show lavish, extravagant 
hospitality, that, that Jesus uh, knows that there's always going to be a temptation for us to say, sure, you know, we engaged you out in the world. Um, you said, I want to find out more. And we said, come and see. And they show up and we say, well, I'm glad you're here, but not particularly glad that, that Jesus wants us to be extravagant in our welcome. Jesus wants us to go over the top. And in fact, he says he's keeping track and he's going to view the way you treat strangers as if you were doing it to him. So, so Jesus tells us we need to really go overboard in terms of our welcome to people who don't know him. So, so that's what we talked about there is showing strangers extravagant, lavish hospitality. And where we kind of landed things last time was the idea that, that it's hard to know how to do that because we don't have fresh eyes. We just kind of see it as church. This is the church. It's the way it always is. And so what we talked about was the, the, the sermon really begins in the parking lot. People see starting there and that if you have fresh eyes, you can see what's going on. So what I commissioned you to do a couple of weeks ago was go out to other churches. If you don't want to come here some Sunday, go to a different church and see the way they do things there because it'll give you fresh eyes when you come back here. You can you can see the church in a new light and you can say, you know what, I like the way we do it. I think this is more welcoming. Or you can say, actually, maybe the way that they did it over there was actually a better way, so we, should make, we could be a little more welcoming in this area ourselves. So you get fresh eyes by visiting other churches. So that's where we landed things last time. But today we're going to talk about discipling. And uh, disciple is uh, the word that Carlo uses, and it looks like a um, noun to me. So, you know, you hear about disciples. I talk to the children about disciples. But Carlo means it as a verb. And when Carlo talks about discipling, he doesn't mean uh, someone who does study. He means the process that a church uses to make disciples, to intentionally go about the business of making disciples. And the reason for this is that the church, there, there's an imbalance in the way the church has worked at least for the past several decades and probably for the past couple of centuries. The way the church has been uh, structured um, has been to focus on membership. And what Carlo means is to focus not just on membership, but on discipleship. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about what what does he mean when, when, he, when he asks us to move past membership, what does he mean by that? So the next the next slide shows a picture. And... Um, uh, the idea is that the church exists in a mission field. Originally, the mission field was the whole world, but I can't be a missionary to the whole world. I'm a missionary to a particular place, so I exist in a mission field. Call it my zip code, okay? My zip code is my mission field. And the church that I'm part of exists in that mission field. So that's kind of the the, the general idea that we have as Christians. Um, but there's a problem with that picture. If you just have that picture then you're missing something because because sometimes people inside the church aren't Christians. And that's a good thing. Remember, our job is to welcome people extravagantly, lavishly, people who are not yet Christians. So um, if you think of the, the story of the call of the first disciples, John tells us in his gospel um, that the disciples... We're, we're following Jesus. John the Baptist had pointed out Jesus and said, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And they started following him. And Jesus saw them, saw that they were following him and he turned around and said, he said, what are you looking for? And they said, where are you staying? We want to spend some time with you. We want to get to know you because our guy told us to do that. And Jesus tells them, come and see. So Jesus has these disciples following him around for three years 
and they never really believe in, in, in him. Um, occasionally they kind of believe just a little bit. In fact, Jesus, he has this kind of pet name for them. He calls them little faiths or uh, you of little faith. But that's not common and it comes and goes. And in fact, uh, at the time of his crucifixion, they all flee. They don't believe their their belief, whatever they had, flees along with them and they lose whatever faith they had. So for three years, these men follow Jesus around um, and they don't ever really believe in him. And Jesus is okay with that. Jesus wants churches to have people who are still trying to figure out what it is they believe about Jesus. Uh, and Jesus tells us to be like he was. So he says, he says we should have, um, we should have a church where you can belong before you can believe. So that's the idea of extravagant hospitality. And, um, so we want to be a church where people can belong before they believe. So what happens when you do believe? You say, okay, you know what? I've, I, I, I understand enough now. I believe. I think I think I do believe in Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my faith in Jesus. So, what happens then? Well, at that point, you are considered a member of the congregation. So, I've got another picture, so now it looks like a green eggs and ham. So, there's the community, there's the people who are part of the, the, they, they belong in the church, but they're not members of the church. And then within that group, there are members. There's people who've actually put their trust in Jesus. And this is where the church has largely left things for the last couple of decades, for sure, and, sur- and probably for the last couple of um, uh, um, centuries. And so we have membership classes where we talk about what happens when you join the church. And sometimes churches do this wrong. They say membership has its um, advantages, just like the TV commercial. But remember, we're a welcoming church. Churches are meant to be extravagant in their hospitality. You get the same advantages whether you're a member or not. You know, if if you show up here, you get the coffee and the treats just like everybody else. If you get sick, we're going to pray for you. If you go to the hospital, we'll visit you whether you're a member or not because you belong in the community. So you already get the advantages. But when you become a member, then you get responsibilities. And so when you take a membership class, you learn about the responsibilities. You learn that, that uh, first of all, what it is you believe. But second of all, what are your responsibilities you're taking on as a member? How do you, how do you support the work of the church? What does it actually mean to be a member? So that's what we talk about in uh, membership classes. It, it's not that you get extra advantages when you become a member, but you do get extra responsibilities. So that's kind of, that's where the church left things. And I've got a book of uh, uh, order, the Presbyterian Book of Order, tells me all the responsibilities you get when you become uh, uh, a member. And it tells me how to have the class and how the council will vote to, to accept you as a member and all those things like that. And that's really where the church has kind of focused its attention. And the reason is kind of the same problem with welcoming. The reason is we just don't see it from your perspective. You know, uh, uh, last week I talked about some churches are so welcoming that they're kind of like vampires, you know, new blood, you know, great, there's some new people who showed up, we're going to suck them dry. And churches can do that. Churches can lose their perspective. And they can say, um, the, the, the biblical model of membership is you are joined to a body. So you become a foot or an elbow or a nose or whatever it is in the body of Christ. And that's great for the rest of the body because now we've got a foot and now we can walk or, you know, we've got a spleen or whatever it is, whatever it is you represent in the body of Christ. That's great for us. And so that's where we tend to focus our attention. How are you an asset to us? 
And it's not because we dislike you. It's just that naturally as fallen creatures, we sometimes lose sight of the big picture. And so Jesus tells us there's something else we need to do. And what he tells us addresses the bumper sticker that Gandhi, the Gandhi quote. He says, I want you to be like me. So the next, the next line, so people can belong before they can believe. Membership has its responsibilities. God wants you to become Christ-like. And so the, the, I'll give you a verse just to give you an example of that. There's, it's all through the scriptures, but Colossians 1, earlier in this same letter we're looking at today, it says, so you can live lives that are worthy of the Lord and pleasing to Him in every way by producing fruit and every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Jesus wants you to be that kind of Christian. He doesn't want you just to be a foot that the rest of the body can take the advantage of. Jesus wants you to be an awesome foot, a Christ-like foot. Jesus wants you to be a Christ-like nose or whatever it is. He wants you to be like him in every way possible. Paul says, we heard it earlier, um, Paul says in the, the book, to the letter to the Galatians, he says, the fruit of the Spirit, the way that that works out in our lives, the Holy Spirit indwells us and makes us bear fruit. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, am I like Christ in that area? Do I love as much as Christ? No, I don't. Am I as patient as Christ? Ask my family. No. Um, am I as gentle as Christ? Am I, do I have as much self-control as Christ? No, I don't. But that's what Christ wants me to become. And in fact, he sums it up this way, and it's almost like he foresaw that bumper sticker. This is what Jesus says. He says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus answers the bumper sticker question. No, Christians are not perfect, but they should be perfect. So, that's a problem. That's the problem that the church is meant to help you with, to help me with, to help us become like Christ, to help us navigate the life of a Christian, which is as Martin Luther said, the Protestant reformer 500 years ago, he said this. He said, this life is not being, but becoming. And I've got the whole quote um, on one of the other inserts. It says, this life, therefore, is not righteousness, but growth in righteousness. When you become a believer, guess what? You're not there yet. He says, not health, but healing. Not being, but becoming. Not rest, but exercise. We heard about physical therapy. We prayed for somebody going to physical therapy. You know, that's that's how you get better. You know, the, you go to the doctor. The doctor sends you to physical therapist. They say, do a trillion of these exercises. And so you do that, right? You work that bone or whatever it is you're doing. He says, we are not yet what we shall be, but we're growing toward it. The process is not yet finished, but it is going on. This is not the end, but it is the road. All does not yet gleam in glory but all is being purified. That's the way Martin Luther put it. Jesus made it a little more succinct. He told his disciples, follow me and I'll make you fish for people. He said, I'll take you what you are. You're a fisher of fish. And I will make you something much more impressive than that. I'll make you a fisher of men. And we can have a whole conversation. What, is that, what does that mean to be a fisher of men? But just put that to one side. The thing is, Jesus is saying, I'll take you where you are and I'll make you something different. I will make you into something new. 
So the last line or the next line, this isn't automatic. It isn't automatic. It takes discipline. Just like getting up in the morning, doing the exercises the physical therapist gave us, it's not automatic. You go see the physical therapist, that doesn't mean you're healed. It means now you know what to do in order to be healed. So now you have to actually have the discipline to do the thing. And sometimes it's harder than that. Jesus says this. Jesus says, anyone who would be my follower, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Because sometimes it's going to be a lot harder than physical therapy. Sometimes what Jesus is going to tell you to do is to mortify yourself, to give up the thing that you don't think you can live without. And sometimes that's just a metaphor. Sometimes it's like, I desperately need that brownie and I'll die if I don't have brownie. But sometimes it's the real thing. Eighty years ago, the Protestant um, theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. The whole quote is this. He says, as we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give ourselves, we give our over our lives to death. Thus it begins. This is not the ending. This is the beginning. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. So the purpose of the church, the role the church should play, is to move people from come and see, check it out yourself, find out what you believe, to come and die. That is the role of the church, to move people from come and see to come and die. It's not about you being a good foot that helps us do the things we want to do. It's about you becoming like Christ. So, how do we do that? I showed you some pictures before. I want to show you another picture that makes it maybe a little more clear. We're, we're moving from, from belonging to believing to becoming. And um, in case you're wondering, did he just come up with that? If you flip over the bulletin from Palm Sunday... You see up at the top, it says, belonging, believing, becoming. This is really what the Christian life is all about. The role of the church is to move people through these three steps, from community to membership to discipleship. So how do we do that? Well, I told you what we do for membership is we, we have a class. We have an inquirer's class. We say we're going to have one later this month. We're going to say, look, if you want to be a good member, if you want to know what you know, no be, you know, look before you leap. If you want to know what it means to be a member, take the class. We'll tell you what it is Christians believe, and we'll tell you what those responsibilities are that you get in addition to the advantages you already enjoy. So we'll talk about that in the inquiries class. But most churches stop there. Most churches don't have the next step, which is a discipleship class. A class to help people understand how do Christians become what they're not? What are the practices that Christians do? What is the physical therapy for our soul? What is it we need to do to become the kind of people that Christ wants us to be? We're going to talk about that next week. So I am coming to an end. So, but next week we're going to look at this same passage from Colossians and we're going to unpack how that actually translates into Christian spiritual formation. We're going to look at that passage. But if you aren't able to be here next week, 
We're going to have that class, at least the first iteration of that class in September. So there's going to be a new member class, an inquirer's class at the end of August. And there's going to be a discipleship class in the end of September, sometime in September. And the reason for that is because you're not just members of the church. You're disciples. Jesus wants you to be perfect. And the world is looking on. People like Gandhi are looking at us and saying, Jesus is awesome. His disciples, not so much. And it's our job as the church to help you become the kind of people that God wants you to be. It's not just simply what can we get out of you, but what can we give you to make you the kind of people God wants you to be. So I hope you come back next week. And if you don't, I hope you come to the the discipleship class in in September. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks that you don't simply want us to be cogs in a machine, to be parts of the body of Christ. But you want each of us individually to be like Christ. And that your church is given the mission of equipping us to make us better people, to make us as patient as Christ, as loving as Christ, as self-controlled as Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that we would have the courage and the discipline to do the things that will make us that kind of people. And we pray for your church that it will be diligent, that it will be intentional about the process of discipleship. Through Christ our Lord, amen.